Well, this morning I would like to uh, to speak about a topic that um, I think is a very important topic for us because it is something that gets us through day to day. I want to spe- I want to speak about faith. I want to speak about faith, and in another day or week or so, we'll we'll speak about the counterpart or the the, the go with faith, and that is the action part. Faith and action kind of go hand in hand. But I want to speak today about faith, and I want to be very open and very honest with you today because um, I had a hard week. And I had a hard week for a reason I don't understand. Um, We had a great Sunday last Sunday. We had a great Sunday today. But boy, the week was hard for me. I felt so alone. I felt so vulnerable. I felt so exposed. I felt so useless. Um, And I thought, how in the world am I going to speak about faith when I've experienced the week I've just experienced? And I look back and I wonder when I go back and analyze things, um, how much of that was me and how much of that was the enemy attacking and bringing further, to, further confusion and wanting to destroy what God is trying to do in this church. You know, Jackie sang it. There's a new thing happening. And that new thing happening is not going to come without any resistance. If we see a, if we can sense a new thing, understand the enemy senses a new thing. And I believe that he is fully on guard to destroy anything that might be new happening in us. And I think that faith is absolutely vital for us to talk about today. And so I'm going to pray the Lord just gives me the words um, to speak. I, I have a lot prepared, but I just hope the Lord picks out the important parts of it and makes it real and makes it evident in our hearts and our lives today. So faith is something that is uh, very important that we understand how it works with our actions. But it's important that we understand how faith and action, the, the priority, and how they come together. Faith must come before the action. If we are just doing things to do things without faith, and faith in what, I should ask, faith in God, not faith in myself, faith in the Creator, faith in God's Word, biblical understanding of a godly instruction, that needs to come before any action. If I don't have the faith first, then the action becomes self-righteous action. And the action becomes temporal, and it becomes something that doesn't last. But when I have the faith that God gives me, I don't make my own faith. God gives me the faith. And when he gives me that faith and I build upon that, then my action puts that faith in the practice. That creates an eternal reward. And that creates eternal benefits for us. So faith is important that we understand what that talks about and, and in a week or so we'll hopefully get to the action part of it. But, but let's talk about faith so we understand what it is. A dictionary defines faith as belief or trust, a belief in or a devotion to 
or trust in somebody or something, especially without logical proof. Without the logical proof. See, and I think that's the thing that kind of gets most of us maybe whacked out. Because for some of us, maybe we can believe things without logical proof easier than others. I, on the other hand, I kind of like logical proof things for me personally. That's kind of what I'm wired that way. When I went through my math classes and engineering and so forth, I learned that math is pretty precise. Two plus two equals four. And you cannot make it any other way. <laughs> two plus two equals four. But yet I also understood, though, that the more complex the math became, there was an element of faith required to believe the theorems and the proofs that come with math. And then I got into the subject that I did very poorly in, and that's English, because English is made up of all kinds of illogical things. I mean, English, the English language is probably one of the most confusing languages to understand because we have words that mean, the same word means two or three or four different things, depending how you put it in the context. So it takes a lot of faith to believe in your English teachers <laughs> that they're telling you that a verb and a noun and a preposition and a supposition and all these things go together in a proper way, and I just don't understand it because that's not the way I think. I think about math. And then some people look at faith in God as a crutch. You know, I've heard it and you've heard it too, that only the weak people need Jesus. Only the weak people need to have faith in God because they can't handle life on their own. They need the crutch of religion in their life. Well, I'll be very honest with you. Yes, <laughs> I need the faith. Of, I need the crutch of faith in my life. And what's wrong with admitting it? <laughs> what's wrong with saying, I need that? I need to have that. And because if I take the faith of myself, if I put all my faith in my own abilities and my own confidences and what I can do, then I'm not going to accomplish much because I know my limitations. The problem with those that say faith is a crutch are the people that are deceived in what their limitations are. They think they can do all things. They don't recognize that Christ is the creator. He is the one that can do all, do all things. So, yes, we recognize that faith is required. And we're going to talk about in the, in, throughout this day that it, it not only is it required, but it pleases God. And without faith, we really can't have any pleasure in God. Have you ever thought about faith much? Have you ever sat down and kind of thought about your faith, your level of faith, and what it means to you? How does it make you feel? Do you feel small sometimes? Do you, feel, do you struggle in your faith? Yeah, it's okay. I struggle uh, in my faith. It's okay to know that. It's okay to understand that. Because it doesn't take a lot of faith to move God. In fact, the Bible says it takes the faith the size of a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds. So it's not the amount of faith. It's the fact that we have faith. And the Bible also says, Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith. And we pray to him and let him increase our faith. I can't generate the faith. It's not in me to, to generate faith. It's in my asking God to give me more faith. So I don't want anyone to feel alone this morning if you struggle in your faith. Because we all do. We're not plastic people here. 
we're real people. We're authentic people. We recognize the fact that we're, we don't have it all put together. We are people that need each other. We're, we are people that need to come into a church setting and feel the love of Christ coming through me through other people. I need that. I need you. I thank you for the prayers today. I thank you for my wife for being bold to say that. And we need you to pray for each other. Faith is built up in each other by the hearing of the word of God. And that comes through the word and it comes through people. So don't feel alone and, and, and don't feel bad if you struggle in your faith or lack of faith. Just don't give up. Let me just give you that level of encouragement. Don't give up. Let me look and let, let's see what, the, what God's word says about faith. See, before we get to that point though, here understand this, that faith is not a, a respecter of persons. Faith doesn't care about your life circumstances. Faith doesn't care if you're rich or poor. It doesn't care what you look like. It doesn't care anything about your circumstances. Faith is a requirement. Faith comes into your life regardless of your ability to pay for it. Because you can't buy it. It doesn't come by your financial status or your social economic status. Faith comes through Jesus Christ alone. So faith doesn't care about your physical situation. Faith cares only about your spiritual situation. And that's why the enemy can come at us so effectively to try to discourage us because he will affect us in the way we think and will try to destroy the faith that we have. That's why it's important that we spend time in getting into God's word now and understanding what faith comes from, what it is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is not what I see. If I can see it, I don't need faith to believe in it. Faith is being, certain, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Paul talks to the Romans a lot about faith. And he's talking to the early church converts in this passage in Romans chapter 8. I want to talk to you about, I want to read through, because in this, in this passage, Paul is talking to them, and he's trying to assure these people that in the midst of all their problems that they're going to have, if we hang on to the faith that we have, God will give the payout. He will be faithful. He will provide if we just hang on and, and, and rest, rest in his faith that we have in him. And then it's not something that we see with our natural eyes. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25, in the contemporary English version, it says it this way, I am sure that what we are suffering now cannot compare with the glory that will be shown to us. In fact, all creation is eagerly awaiting for God to show who his children are. Meanwhile, creation is confused, but not because it wants to be confused. God made it this way in the hope that creation would be set free from decay and would share in the glorious freedom of his children. We know that all creation is still groaning and is in pain like a woman about to give birth. The Spirit makes us sure about what we will, what we will be in the future. But now we groan silently while we wait for God to show that we are his children. This means that our bodies will also be set free and this hope is what saves us. But if we already have what we hope for, there is no need to keep on hoping Therefore, however, we hope for something we have not yet seen, and we patiently wait for it. There is so much in that, verse, that passage of Scripture 
The words that stick out to me, though, are patiently. <laughs> the word patiently kills me. It doesn't probably, like, you don't like it very much, I can tell either. Because patiently is something that requires us to stay in tune with God. It requires us to stay where God would have us. And that we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be allowed to be confused by what the enemy would bring into our life. That we are patiently waiting because God has so much in store for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, Paul also talks to the Corinthian church. He says, now we can only see God like a cloudy picture in a mirror. Later we will see him face to face. We don't know everything, but then we will, just as God completely understands. See, so today we're supposed to. In case you don't know it, you're supposed to see cloudy. Your vision isn't supposed to be clear. Why? Why? Why can't I see clear? Why, God, will you not give me the clear picture? Wow. I think God wants us to have that cloudy picture because with that comes an element of trust that drives, that comes up within us. God loves humility and God detests pride. I'm going to cut it short today because I'm just going to I'm going to spend our time right there. I just feel that's where the Lord wants us to spend time on. The Lord opposes those that are proud. He opposes those that come to him with an arrogant heart. He opposes those that are against the things that God brings into our life that brings us into a stage of humility. I don't really understand why I'm going here right now. So I'm going to be open with you a little bit here. God's changing my plan. He's changing me off of, off of where I was going to the area of pride. Um, you know, God, he's, he, he's a great God. He's a loving God. He's a God that has given his all for us. But he's a God that requires our all back to him. The Lord spoke, speaks to us and he talks about pride. And he says that uh, those that have an element of pride are detestable to the Lord. He opposes those that have pride. I mean, it's an opposition. It's not just, I don't like it. It's not just, I wish you didn't have it. It is an opposition. What God opposes, understand, is never going to be successful. What God opposes will never last. What God opposes, he will destroy. When God says pride is detestable, he means it. But yet, when God says, if you come to me, with a heart of mercy and a heart of 
of humility. He loves that. He loves that. Proverbs 16, verses 1 through 5, to, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked, for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will go unpunished. In James chapter 4, he talks to us about submitting to God. At the end of verse 9, it says, Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Pride, arrogance, humility. The Lord wants a humble spirit. Now, what does this have to do with faith? It has everything to do with faith. Because when I get to the point where I am driven out of my comfort zone, when I am driven out of my ability to make my plans, then I have to have faith for the next day. And when I have faith for the next day, that puts me into a very humble position when I don't know what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. I think the reason that this week was so hard for me was because um, I'm, I'm plowing new ground, I guess. I, I don't know what else to think. I'm plowing new ground in my profession of being a man. Huh. You see, I used to be a pretty good provider. I, I used to be able to provide pretty well for my family financially. Boy, I don't like where this is going. But I'm in a different season of life now. And I think the things that are starting to hit me is that I can't go back. God has got me in a spot here where I can only go forward by trusting him. I can't go back to the old way that I lived in. See, and when I lived there, I provided. I made the money. We were wealthy-er. Not wealthy, wealthy-er. But now I'm in a position where I look at my life and I'm thinking, God, what do you have in store for me? Where am I going? I'm 50-some years old, 54. I'm getting to the point where I'm not employable anymore. I mean, I'm too old. And so here I'm in a situation where the Lord is saying, okay, Mike, what I'm going to try to take you through here, if you're willing to go with me on this, is that I want to be your provision. I want to be your sustenance. I, I want to be your retirement. Will you trust me? Will you trust me in that? What's he saying to you? What's he saying to you about your provision? about where you're going, about what you're supposed to be doing. Um, I'm not saying he's saying this to you. This is my word. Okay, this is God speaking to me now. And um, he upset my apple cart a little bit here. And maybe it's good that my wife's not in this right now because it upset hers too, pretty violently. And uh, together, I'm so proud of the way I've seen my wife rising up. I'm so proud. 
Because I'll tell you, there wasn't a couple years ago, a few years ago, when Pine River started to go down the tank, I really thought it was over. I, I, really, th- I really believed, and this is, I'm going to, can I be honest? I know, this is, I know this is scary when a pastor says, can I be honest? <laughs> but in all honesty, I thought she was going to leave me because I destroyed our family. I destroyed it. And God, you know, I tell you, people wonder why God brings bad things into people's lives. And I say that purposely because I do believe God, and I know some are going to argue with me biblically on this, but let me just speak it. God brings bad things with this definition. What is bad? What is bad? See, to me, that was bad. To me, that was bad. But see, he has a bigger picture. He sees things a little bit broader. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He sees all things from all angles. And so what I take as bad, he says, Mike, that was good. I brought good into your life. You thought it was bad. See, but I brought a change into you that needed to happen in you, and I couldn't have gotten that good thing if this wouldn't have happened first. And I think we limit God's omniscience and his omnipotence by saying that God can't bring bad things because when I look at it as bad, it's my definition of bad, not his. Sickness, financial pressure, bad. God says, ah, you guys, are you just wanting to see what I'm going to do through you? If you have faith in me, if you continue to believe in what I'm doing in your life, all the bad that you're declaring as bad, I'm declaring as good because everything that, I, everything that happens, if you're a godly man, if you're a righteous man, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and he makes no mistakes. He doesn't make a mistake. So what I would consider bad, he's looking at it and saying it's good. It's good. So, where are we at today? We're at a situation where um, I'm trying my best to listen to the Word of God every week, to bring a fresh word into this church every week. I know Jackie's doing the same with worship and Jill and faithfully doing that. I'm waiting, and I'm where we are. We are anticipating with the new people to rise up and help. Can I be honest with you again? <laughs> I've already opened the floodgates of honesty here, but I can't do this alone. All right, I can't do this alone. I feel so unqualified. I feel so undereducated. I feel so unworthy to have the position here. And I can't do this alone. And I think that's one of the things the devil keeps hitting me with because human pride says, oh man, don't admit that. Don't admit it. They're not going to ever come and listen to you again. Don't admit that. I mean, you're supposed to be the guy that's got all the answers. Well, let me tell you right now, I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. 
And I'm trusting in who he does. And I'm going to the word of God on a weekly basis. And that's why I'm inviting you to come with me. It's a journey that we all need to go together. We all need this. And you need this. You need the word of God planted in your life. And I know it's hard to get out on a Wednesday night. And I know it's hard to get up early on a Sunday morning to come to Sunday school because we all hate Sunday school. We hate the terminology, Sunday school. It makes you sound so stupid. Sunday school. Understand what it is. It's the Word of God. We're trying to impart the Word of God into each other, and you can't get it unless you're willing to open up God's Word either by yourself or with other people. So will you be honest with me? I've been honest with you. And will you be honest with me, and will you commit today that you will allow God to start working in your life so that something new will happen. You cannot think something's going to change in your life for the better if you stay in the old. If you're so ingrained in the way you've done things and I'm not going to move, I'm not going to allow myself to be stretched and I'm not going to let no man or no woman tell me what to do. Well, where do you think that's going to go? Where do you think you're going to end up? book of Job, I'll tell you where it's going to end up. You're going to end up on an ash heap. Job, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Job sat on the ash heap to show his sorrow, and while he was scraping his sores with a broken piece of pottery, his wife asked, Why do you still trust God? Why don't you curse him and die? And this is the, the courage and the faith that Job had in his reply to his wife. And I pray that this can be my reply. Job replied, don't talk like a fool. If we accept blessings from God, we must accept trouble as well. In all that happened, Job never once said anything against God. Now, I think we all know the book, we all know the story of Job, right? Don't gonna, I'm not going to get into that today. We don't have time for that. All I'm trying to do, though, is I want us to know where our faith must be grounded in, rested in. We must not go to anything else besides God's Word. We must protect it. We must guard it. We must take the emotional times that we've had the last couple Sundays in our services and recognize that that's God's glory. That's God's greatness. That's what He has for us. But we have to still ground ourselves in God's Word. We cannot live on the emotional highs because the emotional high will end tomorrow morning at 5 o'clock when you wake up to go to work. So you have to get yourself grounded in God's Word to stay there and then not let the enemy come in through the power of God's grace and steal it from you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, it's so comfortable to come into your presence to be honest with you. Because, God, you already know my heart. For me to not be honest with you would be a fool. Because you already know. You already know what's going on. So, God, I am just letting you know that I know too. 
And so, God, I just pray that you would just increase our faith now. Lord, we've had some really good visitations of the power of Jesus. And we thank you for that. And we long for that. And we want that to continue. We, that's all we want is to see the power of Jesus fall in this place as a new dimension, a new way, a new thing. But God, help us to have the faith that goes along with that so that we can go through our daily lives one step at a time. Lord, I pray that you remove all the pride from our lives, all of the resistance to this new thing, all of this resistance of we've never done it this way before or we're getting too spiritual or we're getting too vulnerable. Lord, that's pride. And I pray that you, that you remove that from us so that your grace and that your humility will enter our hearts and our lives and that we will be so humbly pure before you, God, not in a self-righteousness or not in a false sense of humility, but in true, godly-given humility that you will look upon us and you will say, oh, I'm so happy with you. I'm so proud of you. I long to be in your presence so much. I can't wait that you would say, I can't wait to bring you home. God, that's what we want. So I pray the power of Jesus would just be in this building. I pray the power of Jesus would just be in this building. God, forgive us. Walk with us. Teach us. Be our Father. Be our friend. Be our provision. Be our sustenance this week as we go. We love you, Jesus, and we surrender to you. Will you agree with me just for a few minutes? The Lord had really been talking to me back when I was sitting there. And I feel that I must say this to Mike as a word of encouragement. My son, be encouraged. You know I have put you here. I have a work for you to do. You have not failed. By men's eyes, perhaps you have. But look at it from the kingdom point. You have been successful. You have ministered to my people. Stop being discouraged. Stop beating your head against the wall. You are playing into the hands of the evil one when you do that. For I have set you in this place. I have things for you to do. There are hearts for you to reach. There are families for you to minister. My son, listen to what I say. Be encouraged. Do not be discouraged, for I know where you are. I know where you're here, why you're here. I have put you here, and I'm saying to you now, be faithful. Be content where I have put you. I love you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Dick. Thank you. Amen. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We receive your blessing. We receive your mercy and your grace. Go with us now throughout this day. Let your spirit just ride upon us and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.